time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Hey, this is a rock and roll museum. You guys don't belong in here. <laughs> They ranted, they fainted, their eyes were glassy, some pulled their hair out, some tore their dresses. They threw notes of a very uh, undesirable nature on the stage. I'll tell you all about it. Welcome to Long Play. A podcast where nerds rock out with their Spock out. Hello and welcome to another episode of Long Play, the podcast where nerds rock out with their Spock out. I'm Chris Honeywell and I'm one of your rotating hosts that could be anybody and you know, this this show's called Long Play, but I'm I might be changing the name of it just for this episode to get Scott Gardner to listen to a goddamn rock and roll ep- uh, album. <laughs> because finally, I've finally got him on here to to listen to a goddamn rock and roll. And I knew I'd be able to do it because I know, I know, I, and a lot of people like associate Scott Gardner and music. Well. You know, it's either from his his gaseous output, or <laughs> or soundtrack. You know, his knowledge and of of soundtracks. But I know you got some rock and roll in you. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I was going to save this story for later, but this is a perfect time for it. That uh, I, it never really occurred to me that in the twenty three plus years that my wife and I have known each other. In that entire time, she had never really heard me listen to anything other than <laughs> film score music. You know, may, maybe occasionally like the Beatles or something like that. Some Christmas uh, music. Or... But yeah, but I mean, for the most part, if, if I was putting music on to play, it was some film score, you know, or, or something similar to that. And we were walking around Epcot. Uh, this is two or three years ago during i think it must have been flower and garden festival they they get um different groups to come and perform you know they'll get uh oh you know like boston or um who is that band that does uh american woman um i want to say bachman turner overdrive no you know they do like american woman that song and uh these eyes and oh shit i can't think of the name of it but anyway, you know, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. talking. About. But they get, you know, they get these different groups. Uh, the monkeys. They get, they had the monkeys for the longest time. And uh, this particular day, while we were walking around World Showcase, they happen to have um, what they call themselves the orchestra because they're not legally allowed to call themselves uh, ELO or they the used Electric to be called ELO two. Yeah, it's most most of the guys that are in it now were from ELO two. 
Um, but they call themselves the orchestra featuring former members of the Electric Light Orchestra. Anyway, they're playing and they're they're actually pretty good. I mean, they're really, really good. And we were walking around World Showcase. And the nice thing about where they play is that acoustically, you can hear them pretty much anywhere you are around World Showcase. So we're walking around and... I'm just kind of jamming out to this because while it had been a very long time since I had broken out my ELO albums, I mean, that stuff is just ingrained in my soul. You you don't forget. It's like riding a bicycle, you know? So I found myself like singing along to, to like every single song. And we got to a certain point and my wife just like stopped dead in her tracks. And it was one of those things where I continued to walk for a moment until I realized, oh, she stopped. And I stopped and I turned to her and she just had this weirdest look on her face. I'm like, what? She goes, you know every one of these songs. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I love these guys. She goes, I've never I've never known you to listen to music with words before, <laughs> you know? And she was just so taken by this that, that oh my gosh, you know, he, he's a normal human being. He actually listens to music with words. And I was like, yeah, I love these guys. And she's like, oh, you know, do you want to go see them? And I'm like, oh, no, you know, it's it's not really them. You know, it's, you know, they don't have Jeff Lynn or any of the other guys or what. But then what's funny is uh, like a year or two later, I, I actually did end up going. I, I took Logan and, and we went to see them. And again, you know, it's not really them and all that, but uh, but they are, you know, remarkable. They sound like they, ELO, yeah. basically. Yeah, I mean, kind of like going to see like Beatlemania. You know what I yes. mean? So it, it, it's an incredible simulation. It, and It's, it's an enhanced cover band because there are people there who were in, you know, that played on the albums and stuff. They weren't really right. the songwriters or, or right. anything, but they were integral in, in, the, in the process of, of, of the music. So, so you're right. hearing some of the original artists, but right. it's, it's sort of not ever, it's always only going to be ELO if Jeff Lynn's there because he was... Yeah. Exactly. the mastermind but it sounds right. like yellow and it's it's a good concert i've i've never seen them myself but i've seen videos of them and uh well you got to see the the real yellow real mccoy this last uh. last summer with uh and and i like the what was it me that got you turned on to yellow you know i was thinking about this today because i anticipated this question coming up and um I'm just going to, you know, as Stan Lee would say, you know, uh, it's told the story so many times it may be true. I'm just going to say that, yeah, you did, because I, uh, at this point, I it can't remember. But it could have been Mike, because I would have thought, I think like... it was a combination of you and Mike, because I remember the, the thing, the song I've always attributed to my getting into ELO was In the Hall of the Mountain King. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, their version of it from... Um, I think it was on the third day on the third day I knew it was third something um, I loved that I loved their version of it and again ELO appealed to me especially those early albums because so much of it was truly orchestral music and while I'm not big on classical see people always assume that I love classical music because I love film scores I actually don't know shit about classical music um, but that particular one appealed to me because in my mind in the Hall of the Mountain King was the soundtrack to a video game that I right. liked. Um, so I, I, I fell in love with that tune, and then I got the album at some point, and then that just, you know, there you go. That was just, that's where the addiction started. So it's like, oh, I love this album, so let me seek out more. And at that time, 
um, I can remember that however expensive records themselves were, and I want to say they were like $7.98 or something like that, the back catalog of ELO was actually relatively cheap in comparison to yep. the regular cost of an album. So they were really easy to find uh, there, and there, obtain. A lot of them were in the cutout bins at the Ames right. down the street. That's where right. I got a lot of yeah. my records, ELO yeah. records. And also ELO were very prolific with having a lot of... Um, I don't know if you'd necessarily call them greatest hits. Oh, yeah. No, there were so they, many they had a lot of things. Yeah, they had a lot of, like, knockoff ones where it was, like, a compilation of, like, uh, different songs from, like, the first three or first four albums. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they kept doing that. So I had a lot of ELO albums where, you know, I had the actual releases and then these other weird... They were uh, weird contractual, like where other people yeah. also had the rights. Other labels would have rights to certain songs. Yeah. So they would mash them all together into one record and put it out, you know. But that was cool, too, because every once in a while, one of those albums would have a song or sometimes two that I didn't have anywhere else. Because I know I had an album like that that I'm pretty sure was an ELO album, but it actually had Brontosaurus on it, which was a song from uh, The Move, which Mm -hmm. was ELO before ELO. Mm -hmm. So I always thought that was really cool too. Um, You know, so it kind of led me back to to discovering The Move as well. But yeah. uh, I, I I loved ELO and uh, and you you and Mike really uh, really you know helped fuel that addiction because you guys had been into it before I was into it. You were much more into it, and you had a lot more of the collection than I did, and a lot more knowledge of uh, you know the origins of the of the songs and the albums and who the performers were. You know, to me it was just you know it was just music, you know. But you guys actually had a lot of knowledge about you know the whole behind the scenes thing. Well, that was that that was Mike because Mike was the music trivia guy, and and I wanted to say Mike got me into ELO. But that's not per- that's not entirely true because I would have to say it was my mom because she bought the record uh, a new world record mm-hmm. and we'd gotten our new stereo and we were in the solar house and the speakers were way opposite ends of the house and you could turn that album on you know real loud and it had that real slow build with the bass right and so it was a sort of show off your stereo. Whenever the babysitter would come over, that would be the album she would play and like rock out to it. But that was the first, I mean, that album is like Abbey Road to me. It's like ingrained in my, in my being, you know, I, I love every song on it. And, and, uh, and then I think Mike Cross was a huge ELO fan sort of was like oh he likes that album i'll real i'll i'll start plugging him with more yellow oh you like that album here's another one and he'd make tapes for me and he was trying right. to get me into like jethro tall at the same time but i wasn't biting on the jethro tall i was like yeah it's okay <laughs> whatever but the yellow oh, i was all over that and that led into the move of course and roy wood and all the side people you know that 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 led into yellow but um yeah, like my my crescendo of ELO experience was this summer. I got to see ELO with Jeff Lynne, with Mike Cross, at Radio City Music Hall in New York City, which awesome. was such a beautiful place. It, you know, the interiors, all that sort of gold brass 
classic, um, you know, you don't, it, it's funny because I was talking to somebody about it and s saying, uh, yeah, you know, I felt like, you know, the old guy going to see the rock band, it's like people aren't going to be in here like drinking, spilling their beers all over and smoking cigarettes and joints and messing up the place. It's like you dress up to go into Radio City Music Hall and uh, Scott 2.0 next door goes, yeah, man, I saw the Grateful Dead there. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> okay, so maybe that stuff did happen there. It wasn't happening at ELO. Everybody was... Uh, Mike and I were Mike and I were relative youngsters at that at that show. <laughs> that was awesome because we sat sat next to a really nice couple from Britain who had who were coming here for their vacation and they were like, hey, as long as the LO's playing, we might as well see them. And we were we were in the nosebleed seats, but it was right in the front, like front row. We were right up against the balcony, so it was actually kind of a perfect view of everything and it, it was it was magnificent they had the, the you know it was the first time elo in their history has been able to have the technology and the the performers willing to go on the road and arrange all the stuff to perform all the stuff as it sounded on the album without having to play tapes or you know enhance it somehow and it was it was quite a thing to see. And the first song they did was the first song off a New World record, which surprisingly I thought that would be the album you would pick to be on this show to do. I, I was very surprised that you picked time. Although pleasantly surprised because I love this album. And uh, and then when I thought about it, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I, I remember you being a really I, I remember one of the first times I ever saw anybody play air piano. You were playing air piano to um, <laughs> roll over Beethoven, right? Um, I'm sure you know the part. <laughs> and it was just like you know when we'd be up in your room, like spazzed out on like five Pepsi's, you know, right? And it's just that really speedy Jerry Lee Lewis. Um, but yeah, the album we're doing is ELO Time. It this is their ninth like studio album but if you count the live album they made and uh xanadu which i guess is a soundtrack album and isn't a hundred percent elo i you know it's funny um that's the only at least to my memory anyway i could be wrong i've never looked at an actual official list but to my memory that's the only elo album i never owned was because i didn't consider it an elo album i uh, I don't it's think about I ever... half. It's about a half yellow album. I mean, Jeff yeah. Lynne's production flair is all the way through it, and the, right. the sound of it is yellow. But a lot of it's Olivia Newton. Uh, you know, a, a lot of your enjoyment of um, of Xanadu depends on your, you know, how much you enjoy the vocal stylings of Olivia Newton John. And which I I'm don't okay with all. it. So, yeah, I, I don't like her at all. So yeah. there you go. I, but I, it's I, like, but the the ELO the ELO songs on it you can pick up on on any greatest hits album anyway. You know, so it's like you know the, all over the world and stuff like that. So it's not you know, but this would be their eleventh album if you if you count if you're gonna count goddamn Xanadu. Uh, came out in 1981. This has a distinction by some group that that keeps track of time travel um, media as being the first time travel um, based rock album. You know, 
theme-themed rock album ever. I thought that was interesting. I saw that today too. I thought that was interesting. Um, I was trying to rock, uh, rack my brain for something else that might, you know, have that distinct, you know, beat them in that distinction or what. And I can think of other, like maybe time travel. Not even so much time travel. It's more like maybe futuristic songs, songs about the future I, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I couldn't think of anything else. So that that's actually really cool. Uh, I suspect you and I were probably looking at a lot of the same research on this. What, what I really liked, what really jumped out to me, was uh, something I read today that says, um, you know, that, that despite this not being regularly acknowledged or quoted as, you know, the, one of their best albums, that it has attracted a, a cult following over the year for those interested in it. I'd never heard this term. Uh, before, but uh, people that are interested in retro retro futurism, yeah. And once I heard that, I thought that makes perfect sense for why I love this album so much. I thought much. the same exact thing about yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's funny is at the time it was new. You know, when it yeah. when we when we would have discovered it and all, it wouldn't have been retro futurism, but now it is. Yeah, and, and well, retro futurism really describes you know one one of my biggest passions of the moment, which is just you know looking back at the future, you know past visions of what the future would be like. I, I've become kind of obsessed with that. Right, the old world uh, fairs and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, stuff like that, and I think that this you know this fits oh, perfectly a... in line with that. And and like ELO, but this this is a turning point ELO album. Uh, and I think it wasn't a turning point where Jeff Lynn thought to himself, hmm, I'm going to take the band in a new direction. I think it got to a point where he got really sick of doing, of using an orchestra and, you know, the huge expense of doing it in the studio and stuff. And this is stripped down. This is just down to, like, his basic, you know, his bass player, Richard Tandy, his piano player, um... The, you know the drummer that's been in yellow in the move for all that time and then you know like a string player here and there and he did it a lot of the big orchestral stuff with synths and this is 1980 so synths have, are well well established by now but he basically took the ELO sound from the his the last few especially like discovery and out of the blue and adapted it into using futuristic instruments and with a futuristic theme and he he uh, the, it wasn't on the third uh, i think it was on the third day had, had sort of a rock opera story feel to it but this was right. the most coherent like this one sort this one sort of has it has a loose story to it and it's and you know jeff lynn even says he doesn't really you know he, he's not really sure if it's a dream the guy had or if the guy really goes into the future or whatever, but, you know, it's it's just, it's sort of vague, which is good to do with a rock opera. It's meant to be listened to over and over again. You don't need it on the nose. It's more of yeah uh, something, something to just sort of meditate on. And, I'm, I'm uh, glad you said that because um, one of the things I looked at today gave a very matter-of-fact story of what the album's about and i was reading that going where the hell are you pulling this from because i never gathered any of this jeff lynn wrote the songs and he ain't he he's he's not that clear on it you know yeah and, yeah I, that that's what bugged me it was like 
I could see that being one interpretation, but that's what I love most about this album is that I think it does tell a loose story, but I think that that loose story is wonderful in that it is completely open to your, your interpretation mm -hmm. of what is the story, what is the narrative, and you can you can make that play any way that you want to. So by trying to ascribe a set story to it, I think you're actually doing the, the album a disservice because I don't yeah. think it is a linear story. Oh, no, not at all. I mean, is it's it's if if anything's hap if anything it's kind of a mood piece mm -hmm. I, I mean i think this is our the perfect we, we we might as well get right into it with uh the the first song which is we're gonna do the first song has a little prologue so there's a prologue and then the first song's twilight The, I love the prologue because you get and I, you know it's funny it's it, it had been a while I'll admit it had been a while since I had listened to this album where I actually you know like consciously listened if you know what I mean as opposed to just popping it on and letting it play in a background kind of thing so I, I put it on today and I gave it a couple listens through and the prologue you know of course this is completely retro you know in retrospect now but I realize now that the uh, voice that comes on at the very beginning and you know does the just on the border of your waking mind that whole thing is totally a Cylon from Battlestar Galactica it's like Cylon Rod Sterling yeah and, and then it, the song's never, called Twilight you know? right <laughs> and it, it never it just it really never occurred to me before that that's what it was I just thought it was a cool you know futuristic sounding voice but you know, I, I can see where somebody, you know, maybe discovering this album for the first time, you know, that that might be immediately where their mind would go is, hey, that's a, <laughs> that's a Cylon, you know? Yeah, and it, it, this is a classic ELO beginning to an album that, you know, with the with the majestic beginning and then boom, drums, and it, and it rocks in. It's, you know, this is meant to be the first, if you go see the, and I'm pretty sure they did do a, uh, a time tour that you went on this would probably be the first song that they would play on the tour because it's just that dramatic entrance and then I mean Twilight this this song 
just about has every it's like let's throw in the kitchen sink of rock and yellow songs it's just got all the the sort of flangy drums and it it's got pop hooks in them but it's got like five or six of them you know it, it's it's not like one part and then another part you know verse and chorus done over and over again it's like little pieces and i think that's why nerds like us and soundtrack people and classical people like ELO it's it it's got more of that feel of of a a, a storyline you know not just a framework that somebody's put lyrics on the, the, it's it's a very art rock sort of thing you know there's there's sweets and parts to each song I mean this is a four minute song but it's got like all sorts of little parts and then it'll stop and it'll get going again as far as like the storyline goes really hard to get any kind of story about it it's just sort of vague <laughs> ELO lyric you know Jeff Lynn lyrics of like looking out into the into the night but it, it, it alludes to that it's got that uh you brought me here but can you take me back again so i guess yeah. that's him addressing the people what the people who brought him into the future or whatever but i, I guess you know the, uh, i mean of all the story i can ascribe to this it's i would say it's a schlubby schlubby guy like jeff lynn who gets sucked into the future and he doesn't like it. <laughs> and he misses his <laughs> girlfriend really bad. <laughs> He's sad for sad wants to see his girlfriend again. He's not not impressed by modern technology and uh, and and misses his lady. Well, one of the things that that has struck me about this album right from when I was a kid is a lot of the songs in this almost have, you know, for lack of a better term, they almost have, like, nonsense lyrics. Mm -hmm. Occasionally uh, highlighted by, like, just a brilliant line that references some facet of, of, of like, a a classic time travel element. And that's what always stood out to me in this, is, is little things like that, you know, where, you know, you came down to me from the open skies, it's either real or it's a dream, and uh, you know, you, uh, you know, the one that you had said, you know, you brought me here, but can you take me back? You know, things like, and I like that because it's, you know, it's referencing what the, the concept is about, you know, the time travel thing. But again, it's, it's leaving it completely open to your interpretation. What exactly is he talking about? What exactly is going on here? I don't know if you remember this or not, but when we were in high school, um, in one of the, the creative writing classes that we had, I actually was writing a, a time travel. I don't know if I ever finished it or not, but I was writing a, a time travel story that was using this album as kind of like a, a, like a loose inspiration because I was trying to basically make a semi-coherent story out of the album, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. by, by, use, by focusing on some of those different uh, elements, you know, in in the lyrics of the different songs. I know that sounds super nerdy now, but no, you know, it sounds I, like something I would have done. <laughs> yeah, I, I really, you know, I, I, that was just one of the things that always appealed to me in on this particular album was, uh, you know, the, those little glimpses of it, it. Almost felt like somebody had poured over, like like classic science fiction or classic time travel stories, and like you know you know, like kind of picked and choosed and borrowed, you know, elements and, and 
kind of threw them into an album, you know what I mean? As opposed to like, you know, again, telling a linear story, just kind of throwing in cool little elements like that. I I don't know if it makes any sense, but that's just how how I felt about it. I've heard several attempts at science fiction rock and roll before, and it's usually really cheesy. Not that this (laughs) ELO has the cheese factor built into it, but this is probably the most successful science fiction like rock thing that 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 doesn't come off as being just like a cheesy attempt at it. This this feels like this feels like a real science fiction story. There's elements of it that are dated because it was made in 1980, but otherwise, a lot of it was way ahead of its time and is, um, which actually I think brings us to our next song, Yours Truly, 2095. <laughs> This one, I love this one. This uh, this particular song has, uh, you know, one of my favorite. Li- I'm trying to remember exactly how the lyric goes because it's the one that ends with uh, with saying, "But she is an IBM." I- I'm trying yes. to remember what. What, what uh, is the? Uh, she part? does a lot of the thing. Um, Things you do, yeah. Do, but, but she, she is, is an, is an IBM. IBM. Yeah, I love that. I, th- I always love love that. Uh, she looks a lot like you. She does the things you do, she, but she is an she IBM. Is IBM. That's it. That's my favorite. It my favorite one is uh, she's got an IQ of one thousand one. She has a jumpsuit on, and but she's, she's also, also a telephone. Yep. <laughs> well, Which isn't too other... far into our future, actually. It's, yeah. Actually, it's it's here. <laughs> I also like, uh, you know, although her memory banks overflow, no one would ever know for all she says. Is that what you want? I love that, you know. And she has that sexy voice when she says it, but it's just a, that's a great lyric. Uh, that that's well, really yeah. Cool. This this is another and 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 I mean, this and this is another reason Jeff Lynne is the nerd's songwriter. I mean, usually rock and roll is about like, hey ladies, I'm gonna have sex with you. And you're going to like it. It's going to be great. I have a swinging dick. And I will have sex with you. And Jeff Lynn is all... Jo- Jeff Lynn is, rom- is all always romantic and mooning about somebody and, like, taking a long, thoughtful walk in the city night, you know, to think about things. <laughs> he's, right. He's a, he's a very romantic songwriter in, like, the, in like the romance sense and, like, just the sort of romantic in a writing style sort of sort of way so this is you know this is a guy going like oh yeah i can get myself a nice robot girlfriend in the future but i i I miss my i miss my real girlfriend she's programmed to be very nice but she's as cold as ice (laughs) and the lines that that crack me up are uh, like when they use words like when he uses words like uh hover car yeah, very yeah. latest hover car. I have the very latest hover car. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this song could be really, really, really cheesy, and it's not. It, it and you know what's funny? I, did you ever see? I, I, I think we've talked about this before. Have you ever seen the movie Electric Dreams? 
Oh yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, yeah I, I think this I, was I a nice little that earlier, forerunner of, of of Electric Dreams, you know. Very much. Yeah. See, I almost mentioned that earlier when we were talking about Xanadu because I consider the the soundtrack album to Electric Dreams to basically be another ELO album. Now, granted, there's only two I want to say that are actually Jeff Lynne songs on that mm-hmm. album. But that movie just feels like yes, like an ELO movie, if you know what I mean. It I know it feels like it's like cut weird. from the same cloth as this this album. Yeah, know? very much so. Wait, well, y- yes and no. I mean, but I mean, really, the even though you know, I, I think what it is is I think Jeff Lynne was an influence behind the scenes on pretty much the entire soundtrack, even though only two of the songs on there are are, are his. I could be wrong about that because I know that you have like Boy George and I forget the other groups, but I think if I'm if I'm remembering my history correctly, I think he was some sort of like directive influence for the overall. He probably did some. Produ- he probably did production on it. Yeah, something like that. So that's why it has a very ELO feel, even when you're listening to like the Boy George song. I can't stand Boy George or Culture Club, with the exception of that song. With, with, the, that with the, the ELO sheen on him. Uh, well, I remember yeah. riding uh, a shuttle bus in college, from college to my dormitory, and the Tom Petty song came on from the album that Jeff Lynne produced. And as soon as it came out, it was Running Down a Dream. As soon as that song came on the on the the tinny speakers of the bus you know that they were pipe the, the guys piping through from the radio station i was like damn it jeff lynn produced this song <laughs> jeff lynn and you know I've, of course it, it, i had the extra clue that you know tom petty had been in traveling wilburys but you know his his production is so unique and so so you know you you just know when you're hearing it nothing sounds like his production it, 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 if he does an album for you like when he did George Harrison's album uh, Cloud Nine you know it was almost uh, it was almost like a Beatles ELO album at the same time you know alright we should get moving right along here <laughs> we're gonna slow things down with Ticket to the Moon remember the good old 1980s When things were so uncomplicated I wish I could go back there again And everything could be the same I've got a ticket to the moon I'll be leaving here any day soon Yeah, I've got a ticket to the moon But I'd rather see the sunrise In your eyes Got a ticket to the moon Now, do you know who Robert McCall is? He's actually Robert T. McCall is what he was known by. He was an artist that... Probably, arguably, probably best known because he was a concept artist for certain 
science fiction or, or futuristic material. Like, say, he did concept art for Disney's The Black Hole. He okay. did concept art for, I want to say, Star Trek The Motion Picture, although I could be wrong. Maybe even 2001, I forget. But he's one of those artists that you you know you might not recognize the name but if you saw any of his art you would instantly go oh yes of course Mm -hmm. he just had a a feel in an art style of doing spacey slash slash futuristic like futurescapes that are are very like quintessential 80s projections of the future and the reason I bring it up is because, for one thing, you know, his art style is a perfect fit for, like, this album. But this track in particular, Ticket to the Moon, always, I don't know why, but it always makes me think of this one Robert T. McCall painting I'd seen years ago of, like, this busy futuristic metropolis where you have, like floating platforms almost like a cloud city kind of thing and you've got you know like hover rails and you know like giant airbus type ships and and just that sort of so that's what i picture when i'm hearing this song is this guy waiting you know he he's on this well it says he's on uh he's waiting for a flight to satellite two so I'm always picturing him like at this like futuristic like airport spaceport kind of thing that that looks like that, and uh, and I, I love this one. I think that the juxtaposition of of this track that's very somber and slow and and very melancholic, and then immediately when this one ends, you you segue right into the way life's meant to be, which is very upbeat and everything. I, I think, and I could be wrong about this, but I think this may be the first time w- when I was a kid that I really, like, consciously understood the the power that music can have over our emotions, the sway that music mm-hmm. has, because and- you do go from a very, uh, a very deep melancholy to you know instantly you know you're swelled right up with a with a pretty jazzy little tune with the way life's meant to be and I, and that's that's amazing I, I really like that it, this is a this is a common theme through long play since we're you know we're, we're we're mostly focusing on stuff that like came out in the the age of records or as a you know where somebody put together a record as a piece of art so it had a it wasn't just like okay we got 10 songs put them all together you know a collection of 10 singles you could mix them up put them up in any order and it would you know wouldn't make any difference with with something like this each thing leads into the next thing you know in thematically and emotionally so it's it, it takes you on a it takes you on a journey you know through through a story and you know especially with rock quote-unquote rock opera albums i mean i this this was probably when i was younger this was probably my least favorite album or song on the album because it was slow and mopey and i was like it's a downer and stuff now i love it because it's just got that operatic build and the background singers and the the mood to it you know and and uh and, and, and the, just the first line you know that you actually posted it on facebook though remember the good old 1980s and I remember when it came out, thinking to myself, 
Haha, ha, that's so funny, the concept oh, of no, thinking no. of the 80s as nostalgically. <laughs> and here we are 40 years, almost 40 years past 1980, you know? Well, you're, you're right, except my, my quote was actually from the next song. We'll, we'll get to that in a moment. You know, my, my one harsh criticism of this album, though, is on this song. Despite how much I, I really love this song, Ticket to the Moon, the, my one and it is really a harsh criticism uh, <laughs> the album is here there's a moment in this song that I wish I could go in and like edit out and it would make uh, and then the then the album would be perfect to me but there's one moment where all of a sudden ELO becomes queen for just a moment and it's the, the lyric where it goes fly fly through a troubled sky yeah. and it goes up to a new world shining bright and then it goes hello and I'm like where the hell did that come from? Because it just does. I mean, it's it, that's a different band for a yeah, moment. Yeah, well, and, that's, uh, that's, yeah. That's that's the that's that whole art rock thing. It's like all of a sudden, and that's the only time that part shows up in the whole song. It's it's that's, just like I can't remember them, and I you know I could be dead wrong, and and correct me if I if you think of an example, but I can't think of another time where ELO ever did anything like that. No, no, and I think I mean, that's why it's so jarring here because it really does sound like it's out of a Queen song. Yeah, and and Jeff Lynne, I mean, he's a good singer, but he's not known for his singing. Queen was like you know Freddie Mercury was a lead singer, you know, where he <laughs> a tuned instrument or whatever. So, you know. Yeah, but it just, you gotta, it just I guess, give them some fit. points for trying, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but that it, it just it doesn't fit with it, it, the it tempo of, breaks, of the yeah yeah. It sort of breaks the mood and yeah, not not really. It's still in the mood, but it just sort of breaks the the forward momentum of the song. Yeah, because you're you know it's it, like I said, it's it's very melancholic, and then all of a sudden you've got oh, 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 and it's like what what? <laughs> it just takes me right out of it. <laughs> but that said uh, the rest of the song I, I really do like but uh, you know then like I said it, goes, it segues into Way Life's Meant to Be and I I love that that may be I, you know I've really struggled to try to think what is my favorite song on the album and I, I think it may be uh, The Way Life's Meant to Be I really like that one a lot you so long on this avenue and here I stand in the strangest land not knowing what to say or do as I gaze around at these strangers in town I guess the only stranger is me and I wonder yes I wonder is this the way life's meant to be? But I don't know. It's, it's a tough call because I really do dig the whole album. This one has but, like uh, some of the most coherent lyrics in it. I like I, I like this one. It's like him revisit. It's like him visiting his hometown in the future, and it's like I don't even recognize this place. It's it does not. <laughs> it's it's you know everything that was here is gone, and uh, yeah. Me no likey, right. but at the same time, it's in this sort of, it's got this sort of bouncy, it's like this weird combination of Spanishy, the bouncy Spanish beat, synth music, 
and Beatles pop all mixed together in this happy, right. happy little song. Happy, it's happy tone, but the song's pretty melancholic. Yeah. But this yeah. is where I, I got the quote that I had posted up earlier today. It's the one. Well, this is the thing. I'm looking at right now. I'm looking at the lyrics according to I don't know some azlyrics.com, and either they're wrong or this is yet another example of how I have sung a, a song incorrectly my entire life. But they're, they're saying in this one uh, verse here, it says, uh, "As I wander through this wreck of a town." Now, what they've got here is the the line is where people never speak aloud. That's what mine I've, says too. I've always believed that that line was uh, where per- where people their their thoughts speak aloud because that's what it sounds like he's singing to me. It could but very again. well, and, and there, there's a thing about ELO lyrics too, where Jeff Lynne will sometimes sing something different. Like this could be transcribed from the lyric sheet from the inside of the album. That doesn't mean that's what he always sings on the record. There's, right, there's a, quite right. a few incidents of of that. You know, there's there. On, I think on the third day on the Oh No Not Susan, he's dropping f bombs in that song, but that's right. not what it says on the album. You know, right. on the liner notes. <laughs> Well, I just, I love this, you know, this is the, the part that I had quoted earlier is uh, where it says, with its ivory tower, towers and its plastic flowers, I wish I was back in 1981. I always liked that because, of course, when you and I were discovering this album, it was, you know, the early 80s. So that just seemed very odd then. But, yeah. of course, this was the intention was that someday, you know, far in the future, somebody would would listen to this and and you know that it might strike them that way and i don't know the further we get from 1981 the more these lyrics are very poignant to me so well, what's really I funny like about this is it, it reminds me of um this is set in 2095 it reminds me a lot of idiocracy where they're like 500 years in the future and, right. and you're watching it going yeah these guys were these guys were like uh, a little behind, you know, they were they were they were a little overestimating with how much time, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, Jeff, this one still we haven't got to 2095, so we don't know if we're flying to satellite two yet by by then. But you know, right. but we do have cell phone sex robots, <laughs> so so he was sort of on on with that. But yeah, it's it's really weird. It's really weird thinking you know listening to this when we first started listening to it and thinking just like ha. and it was a joke to me back then you know it was a funny little joke in the the lyrics of like haha that's funny i wish i was back in 1981 it was probably like 1984 when i was listening to it right and, right and uh and now here it is going like oh yeah i work with people who weren't born in 1981 yeah <laughs> by you know, a long shot <laughs> I mean, 1981 is like when we were when we were, when we were listening to this. This is that's what we would think of the 60s, you know, when the, like the Beatles and stuff. So it's 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 really weird, and now we've seen Jeff Lynne sort of become almost glopped in with the with the Beatles. It it took a long time, you know. Yeah. But I I always felt like ELO deserved to be mentioned you know, right up there at the top of the heap with so many other 
They're finally there. Yeah, and they and I feel like they finally are there. And I think a lot of that probably has to do, I would imagine, with Lynn's uh, you know, work and friendship with you know oh, yeah. some of the other legends that he you know became good friends with and 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 a colleague of. There, there, and I there's think a that, few, that there's another their... weird element where they put Mr. Blue Sky on an episode of Doctor Who, and that brought wow. a whole other generation right like to, into discovering ELO, and you what? know and and when you discover ELO like when I discovered ELO you always go. You know, that, ELO is a successful band. I mean, they sold a lot of records, big tours, and stuff. But they just never got the. They just never seemed to get the respect that they that they deserved. Right. And when they disappeared, they just disappeared, and nobody seemed to care. And and when 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 I saw them in Radio City Music Hall, and and every human being in there was just hanging up. You know, every song they were just like, yes, <laughs> you know. Yep. It must have felt really good for Jeff Lynne because I think he thought, I, I think there was a, a, a sort of turning point like a, a few years ago, he was approached by someone, the guy in Britain, who's now sort of his musical director for the band. And they told him, they said, hey, you want to do a, I think it was Hyde Park or something like that. They said, you want to do a concert with ELO. You don't have to do anything, but bring your guitar and come and practice with us. We'll arrange the band, you know, right to the album so you could just come in and do it. And he's like, okay. And then like, you know, a quarter of a million people showed up for it. And oh, wow. it was, it sounded, the, the whole, the, you can find it on YouTube. The concert's on YouTube. And, and you can tell he's just like fighting back tears he's at, between every song he's just like i can't tell you how amazing this is for me right now this is like the culmination of my life you know where he realized and then after that eh, yellow's back on tour and i hear i hear they might be t- passing through the united states again this year so you might you, you still might get a chance and i would highly highly recommend it oh i would i would love to i would love to i mean you know, because I do, I hold them right up there as uh, as you know one of my my absolute favorites, and you know just about anybody else that would be on that list is uh, you know either dead or or so disbanded that you know they right. they really will never tour again or even get back together again. So yeah, yeah, I'd I'd love that opportunity because uh, yeah, Jeff Lynn, I, I you know it's I, maybe I, as close just... as you're gonna get to seeing the Beatles, you know. It, Except for right. seeing like Paul McCartney or something these days. Well, you know, it, it may seem like an odd comparison, but in a lot of ways, for 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 me and I suspect for you as well, Jeff Lynn was to music for us in the '80s kind of what what George Lucas was for mm-hmm. movies in the mm-hmm. same you know, or or Steven Spielberg. You know, he was doing something new and innovative and and something that really on some level or other spoke to us yeah. and that's why you know I, I hold him right up there now i have no idea if he knows those guys or travels in their circles but in my mind he he hangs out with them if you know right. what i mean he's, yes. he's right there with with lucas and spielberg and and some of those other you know 80s pop culture icons you know of, of geek circles i mean all right moving on <laughs> this is the one that scott and i used to call Another fart breaks. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yes.
but it's called Another Heartbreaks. It's the instrumental on the album. It is. I'd always kind of looked at this one as kind of like the token instrumental, just so that they could keep the uh, you know with the with the whole orchestra thing. But uh, as time has gone on, I, I really uh, I like this one more and more. And m- correct me if I'm wrong, but it wasn't this was the this was the last song uh, song on side A, right? Right. This is sort of this sort of like breaks up the the. This is sort of like the midpoint, you know. In uh, not even I wouldn't say intermission, but yeah, it's sort of like the break in between acts, you know. See, I wonder how those things play today, you know, when, when you know, people are, are discovering a band or whatever and they're discovering it on, you know, CD or, or sometimes not even on physical media anymore, you know, just downloading a whole album as, you know, MP3s or whatever and, and missing those nuances of things like an album break, you know, where, where yeah. you would have to, you know, back in the day, flip the record over. And yep. listening to it that way today... It, it took me a while to remember that. Oh, hey, yeah, that's I, I can remember that. That's sometimes because I'd listen to this like falling asleep at night, you know, reading or something, and and can remember like this was the end of side A, you know, it would just kind of end there. And this was a good song for it to end because by this point, you know, if you hadn't quite lulled off yet, this was the perfect song for that because there's only the one lyric in the whole thing which was you know the the soft chorus of another heart just, breaks but yeah, the rest is sort of off and the echoing in the background yeah just a very soft uh, instrumental I, but you know listening to it now without the album break going straight from this into the rain is falling also makes a really nice transition that wouldn't have existed back in the old album days it would, but it when, does it would flow when you put really it on nice. a tape <laughs> yeah, that's when you tape true. your that's album true. and put it on a four, on one side of a 45 minute tape then you get that you know you don't have the flip there but yeah yeah and this one reminds me of a, back on uh, out of the blue or, yeah out of the blue there was a song called the whale that was mm-hmm. an instrumental and this is yep. sort of I, I I sort of think of this as like the robot. This is a future robot version of the whale. It's very like um, mellow and relaxing, but it's the whale was very organic, and this one has a very you know beat to it and an almost mechanical quality to it in in a in a way. But it, then it's got that twangy guitar, which makes it sound, gives it a little, or you know, human feel to it. It's, I, I, I like it. It was another one that was just sort of a throwaway song for me when I didn't really think about it. But now I really, you know, like it more and more. And, uh, okay, on to the next one. Rain is Falling. And the sky was a very blue Without a warning As I looked out My thoughts returned to you A noise in the city made the children And hide themselves
another upbeat, another like sort of sort of melancholyish song, but uh, but nice, happy, bouncy. It, this could, uh, could almost be if it didn't have a little bit of the futuristicness of it in it, which I don't think it really does. This could be like a remember Concerto for a Rainy Day on yeah yeah. This could this could have been like stuck in Concerto for a Rainy Day, and uh, you know like right before Mr. Blue Sky or something like that. Well, between yeah between. Another heart breaks and the rain is falling. Yeah, you're right. That that is almost that same dynamic as on uh, uh, out of the blue. You're it's right. Got a rain theme. I mean, this song has so much ELO like pop goodness. It's like so sugary ELO. It could give you the the beatus. It's I, I love this song. <laughs> it's it's pure ELO, and uh, and it 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 also like doesn't it's not as synthy as the rest of the album this one could have been on like out of the blue or or um oh what was or discovery or something like that right and uh i'm i'm very surprised this one uh wasn't a, a single I, I i i really would have thought this one would have been a single oh now that i'm looking at the lyrics it does have a brand new time transporter that would have been Little right. in concerto for a rainy day. Well, you know it. I've I've occasionally heard ELO compared to the Beatles, and there are certain instances where I think that is a really apt comparison. This song would be a good example of that because if you look at especially a lot of the Beatles' earliest stuff. Mm-hmm. If you just simply look at the lyrics away from the song and, and, and you know do your best to just totally clear your mind of the finished product and just look at the lyrics, a lot of the lyrics are really simple, almost to the point of being like a children's rhyme. Yes. And that's what this song is when you look at the lyrics, well, except maybe for the you know the time transporter thing. And it even ends with a chorus of, you know... Uh, rain rain go away come again another day you know which is a, a child sing song so I, I like that you know it has a it has just a simple uh simplicity to it but it, again it really works and this is another example where they were playing with uh sound effects and also uh, you know the whole album does this but especially this song really playing and, and making full use of dynamic stereo sound yes. with you know the lightning and the thunder and uh yeah it, it really works well i like this one a lot now, this album is really nice on headphones any ELO album actually is really nice on headphones because right jeff lynn spends a lot of time with headphones on <laughs> just like us <laughs> just like us podcasters all right here's a nut the, the next one uh we got is uh from the end of the world. Another one that I I uh, 
just a really weird combination of like 80s and 70s songs. I love it. It's just got a very for driving forward momentum to it. It's this is like kind of an not edgy in content, but it's just got an edgy feel to it. You know, it's 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 a little saucier. Yeah, it's a little saucier. You know, the whole thing with. You know, you are a lonely little sidewalk dancer and, you know, stuff like that. It, it does have a, you know, kind of a saucy uh, feel to it. You know, keeping in mind that I, I love the whole album, this is my least favorite song on the album, though. Um, I like it, but I just, I don't like it as much as the other ones. And I think part of that may be because it feels a little more pop and, and slightly out of place compared to the other ones. But at the same rate, you know, taking the album for the concept that it is and the story that I think it's trying to tell, in a strange kind of way, this to me is like the Cantina song, you know, of the album. You know what I mean? This is like they're almost going into like a future bar or something, yes, and this is the yes. song that's playing in the bar. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's kind of the way I've always envisioned this song. You know, yeah. you you remember after Star Wars came out, you know, every science fiction movie from Battlestar Galactica to whatever had to have the obligatory, you know, future and or alien bar. Right. Uh, and Star th- this Trek is, even did it. Yeah, Star Trek even did it. So this is this is to me this is the this is the Cantina sequence of this album. Yeah, this is like the this is this is weird because it's just not a very the 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 beat of this song. It's just not something that you really usually hear in the. Jeff Lynn ELO vocabulary and uh, right. it's, it's it, it to, to me it almost th- this is almost the most um, dramatic part like if this was a musical this would be a song and dance number you know I could see somebody like going through you know the bar and like singing this song as he danced around you know the the women of the night there, and you know it, it has a very stage, stagey, staged sort of feel to it, and it's kind of a little awkward because um, it this it hasn't been the the way this this um, record has been. It's been more you know of a of a vague sort of thing. Not that this isn't vague. I I I, I mean I I assume maybe that I guess it's this is him trying to trying to communicate back through time to his girlfriend uh, or, or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I, I would say this is probably my least, uh, least, uh, favorite song on, uh, the album. But when we go on to the next one, lights go down. another one that I really I, I think this should have been like a, a single I think this could have been like on an ELO's yeah. greatest hits album if they would have released it as a single yeah I like this song a lot it, um, it, it, it like the lyrics everything in this works like totally it works in the story 
but it also works just as its own thing, you know, just as its own little self-contained song. Right. This, you know, there are a couple of songs on this album that could be standalone songs, and there's also a couple of them that uh, also feel like, you know, while they don't contradict or, or uh, you know, that, that they don't fit with the theme of the album, that aren't directly tied to it either and and this is definitely one of them where you know this song could almost exist on any of their you know their later albums if you know what i mean that it's not specifically time related to in this uh aspect and uh and i kind of like that actually that you know not every single one on here had to be part of some sci-fi story that was being told that you could just have you know just a pleasant little song and that's a yellow song yeah, yeah I like this one I like this one a lot yeah it has a lot of I think Jeff Lynne and Roy Wood who used to be in ELO in the first al- first album and went his own way they both really have like um, a footing and a love for 50s rock and roll and Roy Wood with maybe more of the like um, um, Little Richard style and the like, you know, rockabilly aspect of it, and Jeff Lynne more with the sort of uh, Roy Orbison, or even like the Motown girl bands, you know, with with the with the dense choruses and and harmonies and stuff. And I think, and this one has just that nice combination to it, and it's got that little like Caribbean lilt to it too. You know, it's not right. really reggae, but it's got just like a nice little. You know, it's it's one of those songs. It it always makes me feel like you're just sort of walking along at a comfortable pace in a good mood. You know, it has that. The the way he delivers the lyrics are almost conversational of just somebody who's relaxed and happy, and you know, go, going out to have a good time. You know, right? And and, and just sort of and. Which is nice because the, the the main character of this story has not really been too happy for for, for the length of this so far. <laughs> but um, all right, and going from happy to uh, cranky, we're going into the here is the news. One of the weirder songs on on here. I love it too. This one is probably my second favorite. Um, I don't know. It's it's right up there because you know this this can you know get me in a different mood. Lyrics of the whole album right here. Yeah, I I like this one a lot. Um, The the lyric that I always liked in here a lot is right towards the end of it where uh, it says uh, somebody has broken out of satellite too because that's a callback to ticket to the moon right yeah so in a lot of ways this particular song and i think there's other references too i didn't make note of them 
But in a lot of ways, this, you know, you're approaching the end of the album and the end of the story. And this song kind of brings you back and it also kind of ties some things together as well. So it brings you back to what the story was about after a couple of songs where the story had kind of faded, you know, in background, Uh, you know, especially the, you know, the song immediately preceding this. So I I like this one a lot. I like the, I like the feel of it. I like the flavor of it. And, uh, I like, you know, rate, uh, kind of like in the middle of it, you know, the whole thing where he's going, you know, I want to go home. I want to, you know, I want my baby back. And then, you know, I want to go back. I love that. You know, it was a nice echo at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds um, me of like Charlie X from Star Trek. Yes, you know it really does. Well, you know what? This—it's funny, and 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 this goes back to your George Lucas putting him in the in the George Lucas realm. This song reminds me a little of uh, THX 1138. Yeah, it, it, yeah, and and which when I thought of that, it took me all the way back to the first DLO album where they were really weird, where they had this one song that was called 10538 Overture. Right. That was basic. I mean, when you listen to the lyrics, it sounded like they'd gone and seen THX 1138 and basically wrote a song about it where the music sounded nothing like the movie, but the lyrics were sort of about a guy who was just a number and who was escaping from, you know, a dystopian, some sort of dystopian um, civilization. But uh, for some reason, right. yeah, this reminds me of THX 1138, you know, just. Uh, describing that it for one it 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 has a lot of cheat you know the weather's fine but there might be a meteor shower yeah future news you know and the the you know shares of roboco development are now climbing and you know stuff (laughs) of just just sort of cheesy stuff like that but they that when they're just describing the like 24-hour news cycle at the beginning of it that wasn't happening in 1981 that right. There, there was no CNN and you know 24-hour news craziness well, back then. I, so he I'm really gonna, called that. I'm gonna contradict you only in the aspect of I was about to say the exact same thing, and I looked it up to be sure of my facts. So CNN, at least according to Wikipedia, the source of all knowledge, actually launched according to this June 1st, 1980. So CNN was around. Yeah. But I- betting that you and i and the average person were either weren't aware of it or you know it, it definitely was not the well it wasn't i don't think it was 24 it, well it, maybe it was 24 hours at that point but it was not what it is now you know exactly exactly so you know so yes it may have been around but i still will agree with you that this was very prophetic of what was coming in our world of the 24-hour news cycle with, you know, the lyric of uh, coming to you every hour on the hour, you know, yeah. and that, that's always stuck with me and it stuck with me all these years, that particular line, um, because that that is the way things went. And yeah. I, I was, that was really cool. Well, it used to be you had to pare down all the news to fit in a half hour right for the national news and now you have to puff it all up to make it fit into 24 you know you have to practically make it up to to fill 24 hours so yeah it's a total game changer man (laughs) all right so now we get to the song that i consider like the 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 main character's theme song 21st century man
Not to be confused with King Crimson's 21st century schizoid man. This, <laughs> this man's not as... This this man's in a lot better shape. Not the happiest guy in the world. He's a little melancholy, but he seems to be starting to to uh, to accept his fate. I, I like this song a lot. I, this was another song I was probably really bored with as a kid. But I, I, I like the just sort of retro, retro at the time, you know, almost sort of like a 40s musical optimistic, you know. It's a, it's like sort of like the guy like, okay, I'm going out in the big city to to find my fortune. And uh, yeah, I, I like this song. And it's, it's weird because I would have put this song way earlier. This is sort of like introduces... This sort of defines the character. It's sort of his uh, theme song. And uh, I'm glad that we're getting happier towards the end, but I would have put this like more in the beginning as a as an introduction to the character. I almost look at this song as almost like, you know, it, like if this was a movie, this was at the end, looking back at like, okay, what have mm-hmm. we learned type of thing. It's funny because, you know, I, I'm just looking at a list of the lyrics here. And this is almost like there's a great big beautiful tomorrow in reverse. It's yeah. you, know, you know, rather than the outlook being optimistic, it's almost as if you know the the person like this is being personally sung to someone who's not it, feeling it's it. It's the mirror. Who's well, not, it's a mirror image. Great big beautiful tomorrow is the past looking at the future, and this is the future looking at the past. Right. Yep. Yeah. There you go. It's, oh, that's, uh, there's, that's, there's some really good lyrics here, it's though. Pretty deep, and I, I, man. <laughs> I noticed that. Uh, oh shoot, I lost it. Where is it? Um, oh, here it is. I noticed that in the uh, what do you call these stanzas? Is that what these things are called? The little yeah. the different paragraphs. So in the fourth stanza, the the third verse is there's nothing that is in between, sung in a completely different way. But that's a callback to an earlier song on the album as mm-hmm. well. As well. Uh, Twilight, the the opening song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this sort of this is sort of. I guess maybe I I, I, I wouldn't have put it. Here. This is this is sort of yeah. Uh, a restatement of a lot of the themes of the whole thing mm-hmm. and puts it all into perspective ties it into a knot for the big old fat happy ending hold on <laughs> tight to your dreams When you see a ship go sail 
this was a huge hit and th- there was a time that this probably would have been my favorite song on the album i mean it was clearly the hit of the album it was you know it was the single and everything um i think it's just one of those things of uh what what's that saying um uh familiarity breeds contempt or whatever mm-hmm. not that i'm contemptuous of the song but it's what you know i mean i've heard this song a billion times it was the big hit of the album um but also i've never felt the same about this song since they used it on a damn what was it like a Santa commercial yeah copy achievers it's hard in the studio making their new album hold yeah. on tight to your dreams yeah yeah it's, it had that. all these bands like recorded like and like executives like from co- it was a weird it wasn't even an ad for a coffee it was like an ad for like the the national coffee growers association or something like that it was the weirdest thing but man that commercial was on like every commercial break yep and there were like 15 versions of it yeah and uh and it and it was also did one of those things where it messed you up where they cut the song up to fit into the commercial Mm-hmm. So, so when the, then when you heard the song, it always messed you up because you were hearing the commercial. It's like, no, it's supposed to be ra- going into this part that, here. Yeah, I, I would, I would say this is, this is like, definitely not amongst my favorites. I love this song. I was, I was amazed that that there was not when I saw ELO. They played, they played Secret Messages from Secret, the song, the album Secret Messages. I would have thought for sure I would have heard this song in there. Nope, n- nothing off, nothing off time. I was. That was probably one of the only things I was really disappointed about that I didn't hear. I mean, I would have loved to have heard any of the other songs besides "Hold On Tight to Your Dream," but I'm not gonna fool myself that that's what they're gonna learn to take out on the road. Right. But uh, I was, I was really amazed that they did not play this song just because. It's so, you know, it's like, I don't, I, I, I just don't think like you could almost get away with that. And they did do Mr. Blue Sky and that was one of the, you know, the crowd favorites and that, and Mr. Blue Sky is another one of those songs where I like that song. It's not one of my favorite ELO songs, but it's like, well, isn't, isn't hold on tight right up there with don't bring me down as, as one of their absolutely most popular. It was a song. big hit. Yeah. This was their yeah. last, this was their, they had, they've char- they charted after this. This was their last, like, bam, you know, I, I don't think it went number one, but I think it went right up the charts pretty high. And, uh, yeah. Was, was calling America not a. It was. It, it, I think it charted at like number twenty-five on like Billboard or something like that. Uh-huh. That's it, a it shame. Got on I'd, the I'd, chart. Put, I'd put that song over over Hold On Tight personally. I love that song. It, and you know they didn't do anything off that album either. They could have done Calling America or Rock and Roll is King. Were both. Yeah, that, you know, I love that song. Both, uh, that'd be another. That'd be another uh, couple of albums I wouldn't mind us doing at some point. Is Secret Messages and Balance of Power. I love both those too. And then what? Two uh, unusual. Uh, yeah, I would. I would be. I Secret Message. I I got some great stories of Secret Messages, and I gotta tell you, when they did Secret Messages at the, you know, in the in in the beginning of that song, that classic ELO with the backward stuff and, you know, voice whispering. Secret. Well, you know what's, what's really, 
What's really funny, I haven't listened to either that song or that album, and I don't, I couldn't tell you how long yet. I've had that song "Secret Messages" stuck in my head all day long, and I didn't even listen to that one in preparation for this. I listened to Time, but the song "Secret Messages" has been stuck in my head all day. Last time I listened to the album "Secret Messages," the song "Loser Gone Wild" got stuck in my head, and oh, that's yeah. the one with the dog sampled in it. So yep. there's all these just random parts where it's like <laughs> in the evening where the sun goes down, woo, and you hear the dog just like cut in in the beat. Yeah, that that uh, yeah, I would I would be I would be up for either of those albums. Uh, um, I've already done I've already done a Led Zeppelin with Magnus. Maybe I know you're a Led Zeppelin fan too. Has anybody done uh, done any Floyd yet? You know. I don't think we've done a single Pink Floyd album. I could be down for some Floyd. I, you know, I used to really like me some Zeppelin, and it's not like I don't anymore. But I could not tell you the last time I listened to Led Zeppelin. It, it, you know, as far as like listening to an album, it's probably decades. I I listen to a I I like I love 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 me some Pink Floyd. So I would I would be I could do any Pink Floyd album. The only one that I would probably be like low on my list would just be dark side of the moon just because it's so yeah. so well i would even do the wall over dark side of the moon but you know but i it, but i would do the wall sacri- or dark side of the moon too because i do love both of those albums <laughs> it, it it may be sacrilegious to say but the um dark side was never one of my favorite the pink floyd albums you know i i guess it's just that contrarian in me or something I but uh, i always it, liked it and I've always thought it was one of the most wonderfully put together albums ever, like ever it thematically, like very much like this album, uh, doesn't have its theme is almost like, it's almost like Mon- a serious version of Monty Python's meaning of life. It's just loosely, it just sort of loosely covers the big themes of life, but it manages to do it in, in the course of an album and make the music beautiful along with it but it's yeah it's over it's over overplayed maybe i didn't really start to really really love that album till i started taking guitar lessons and my guitar teacher was like if you want to practice soloing practice on these three songs from dark side of the moon because they're there you don't have to think a lot about what you're doing to do it and then I would start playing and i would start playing them over and over again because it was so f- and i was like oh my god this is this is amazing, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I could do any Pink Floyd song album. I, I love them. I, I know you're not a, as big a fan of the, the like longer form weird ones, but like, no, my, my appreciation for Floyd, you know, as far as like how far back I'm willing to go is right. pretty much metal. I like right. metal a lot. The before Ooh, that metal. There may be a song or two that I like, but there's not an entire album that right. I like. I like all of metal, and uh, it's been a long time since I've listened to Obscured by Clouds, but I think I like that one too. I can't remember off if the top. If you like of my metal, head. you probably Obscured by Clouds and metal are very much alike. They're very David yep. Gill. They're, they're 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 less. They're very they're they're mostly written by David Gilmore, so the songs aren't as like depressing is when Roger right. Waters is is in control. So they're a little more like 
happy and and ethereal than than you know when you get in animals where everybody's trying to kill you right <laughs> or well, the wall I was where always your dad's in... dead in the war and you're you're with groupies and on drugs well, I always lay you know, on side one of metal you got one of these days which is just a just a hell of a good rocking instrumental but I was always impressed as hell that side two echoes is side two that's the entire side two is one song and i love it i think it's great it is Echoes such is a one of my favorite great... songs of all time yeah it's um, just a great proudest, piece of music proudest moment in my life well one of the proudest moments of my life was the band i was in learned echoes beginning to end and we played it we had it was a it was it was one of those things where we actually pulled off echoes we had this one guy who's a huge pink floyd fan guitar player and he could play all the parts with the whales going (laughs) he could just play all those parts so all we had to do is fill in the stuff all around it and and um we had somebody projecting 16 millimeter movies over us and they just happened to put one on a fish swimming by and I'll send you. I got a video of it somewhere of of us doing it. Uh, I'd love to see. It. It's it's one. It's it's really funny watching. It. It's me and my. Uh, it's it's me with about sixty pounds on me and 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 hair, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm and I'm concentrating so hard playing that I look like I'm like, half like autistic or something. But the music sounds really good. I gotta send that to you. Well, anyway, well, shit, I think dude, we, you know I, if you want to if you want to reconvene at some point and do metal, I'd be totally down for that. All right, that. I'm I'm writing it down right now. I've I've I've, totally I've had you on the docket I, for for um for this one for a while, and uh, and I've well, been, you know I've been waiting to drop a Scott Gardner episode, a long play for a long time <laughs> because nobody's gonna see that coming. Well, you know, bringing it all back, trying to 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 segue here. I I think I've actually got it. So time does share something in common with Pink Floyd that we were just talking about in that there's only two albums I can think of that are completely circular. And time is one because the epilogue at the end. Yes. goes right into the prologue at the beginning and you realize that it's a it's a time loop yes yes also the wall does the exact same thing yes they do you're right the wall starts with somebody saying we came in and it ends with somebody saying isn't this where and so those are also i don't know necessarily a time loop but there is that you know that that loop element to it as well so i always liked that i always thought that was cool but it definitely works uh with time I, I like that you know that aspect of you know if if you put this on repeat it repeats very naturally because it does actually flow right back to the beginning of the album again which i always thought was really cool as as any good time travel story should mm-hmm. i i love this album I, i'm glad you humored me on this one because you know well, I, I was I a humor in you man i love you know you, you i if it has to do with elo there's you know I'm down with anything. 
<laughs> well, I mean, I, I know, you know, you had said that this wasn't uh, your favorite album and you were kind of surprised that I picked it as mine. You know, that's the funny thing. I, you know, I, 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 I really would have thought it was a New World's record because I remember you used to listen to that one a lot. I remember the song Shangri-La was one of the ones you used to play yeah. a lot. I, I think that might be also a victim of something that I just played a little too much, if you know uh -huh. what I mean. Um, and it's it's also one of those ones that I look back at it now, and to me, great albums are one where you know the, are the ones where you pretty much love them start to finish, warts and all. And that one, unfortunately, has not held up as well for me over the years. But time, one of the reasons I I chose this is again for the story element. I do love you know the, Time's pretty aged the entire well. album. It's aged really well, yes, but also. Um, I see time as that nice little transition into uh, a, a brief period where ELO could just do no wrong because I love time in its entirety. I love secret messages in its entirety. I love balance of power may actually be my, my favorite album. I really liked that one a lot. Um, and they were kind of coming out of a, a weird time because, you know, they had new world record, which was great. They had out of the blue and, um, but I don't remember Discovery or... Um, Discovery is one you'll Discovery. remember when you listen to it because it's just chock full of hits. It's got Shine a Little Love and... Yeah, that... It's got it, a couple clunkers on it, too. It's got the Diary yeah, of Horace Wimp. Horace Wimp, yeah. Which is one so, that they have been that they didn't play when I saw him, but Mike Cross has seen him do the Diary of Horace Wimp twice to huge reception. He's, a, he's like, hmm. when he saw him in Britain... He's seen ELO twice in Britain, that bastard. And See, I had my order wrong because it, I remember finding, you know, there, there, was, there were albums that were actually a little bit difficult to find. Um, and as a matter of fact, I don't think I ever actually had the records. I think I only had the cassettes. But I remember finding Face the Music and Discovery at the same time. And so I think in my mind, I always thought that they were back-to-back -back albums, and they're actually not. You had yeah. El Dorado, and then Face the Music, and then New World Order. So I always considered Face the Music and Discovery kind of there's there's like slump in the middle, but they're actually spaced out differently than I'd remember because I like the start of Face the Music with Fire on High, but there's not a whole lot of the rest of that album I really like very much. And Discovery was kind of the same way where... There are songs I like, but that's another one where I, I thought there, there was actually more clunkers than, than really good ones on that one. Discovery is like, yeah, it's, it's, it, it doesn't have, uh, it doesn't feel like a whole, it feels like, like three or four hits with some Well, you know what, what both of those albums always felt like to me, and of course now, like I just said, you know, I, I realized I was wrong about Face the Music, but... Looking purely just at Discovery, you know, Discovery's coming after Out of the Blue, which is a two-record, you know, two-album collection. And so maybe that's why I always felt like Discovery was just a collection of cast-offs. Yes, it feels like cast-off from, it, from it does. Out of the Blue. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Out of the Blue is like, a lot of people, for a lot of people, that's their favorite ELO album. 
A lo- uh, double albums do really well with people because it has twice as much <laughs> music on it. Right. And that one's really packed with like solid, good material. It's not my favorite ELO album, but I, I love listening to it. But yeah, a lot of people hold that one up as, as the peak. I can't really nail down because it's like, you know, I, to me, I almost have to divide ELO up into periods and pick my favorites from certain periods, you know, early phase you know the middle phase where they were you know huge at the top of their game and pull it you know tons of musicians and then starting with time where it's scaled back and it's basically sort of more like the jeff lynn project and uh and uh all three of those periods have things about them that i really really like and 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 it's funny because a lot of people really don't think about balance of power that much that that album that much and uh, that was sort of that was their last album for a long time, and right. uh, and I, I I I mean I remember when it came out I was so excited because you know it for the most part I was just dis- discovering old Yellow albums to, so to get a brand new one was exciting so like Secret Messages and and Balance of Power were like I you know when when secret messages came out mike cross called me up at my grandmother's house and played like half the album over the phone for me (laughs) and i was just like what's on what's on the next song you know he's like oh there's a backwards part on the next song and there's a dog barking all the way through it and you know i didn't even know what sampling is he's just like they cut out this part with dogs barking it's weird and uh (laughs) so i you know so i i i think maybe i hold those albums in higher places and than other people do but but I think people also like also sort of underestimate those albums because they weren't with the full orchestra and they had a more a little more studio sound to them but boy they're all fine albums. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I was just looking at the song list for Out of the Blue. It's been a long time since I've listened to this, but damn, there is a lot of good it's stuff. It's packed full of great, yeah. great songs. Well, Out of the Blue, now that I, I'm, I'm looking at the song list, Out of the Blue was another album that was actually uh, hugely influential in getting me into ELO because I remember uh, playing Jungle over and over and over again, just in love with that song. And, Did you know uh, David Redfield? Uh, kind of, just through association. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I just have these memories. I, I used to have the 45 with Jungle on the B side of it, and I remember David Redfield and I playing that song about 50 billion times, just like over <laughs> and over and over again. That that song's really goofy, but it's so great. It is. It is. It's really. It is a really good one. And then Wild West Hero can just bring me to tears. Wild West Hero is one of the... That's Mike Cross's favorite ELO song, and that they did that live. Wow. Uh, Yeah, that's... You know, I was not expecting Wild West... And Mike was very good about not telling me anything about what they played, you know. I, I saw one clip that he sent from his phone of them doing All Over the World, which was really neat. But like he, he he kept his mouth shut about about um, the first song being um, the first song from uh, New World's record and that Wild West Hero is in there because and boy the audio when you first heard Wild West Hero people are like look at each other going oh my God this is actually gonna happen. <laughs> 
and boy, that song sounds great live. Yeah, uh, uh, Wild West Wild West Hero is like the most cinematic ELO song ever. It sounds like the soundtrack of a of a great Western movie. Well, I was just gonna say, I, I'm I'm amazed that you know, to my knowledge, anyway, I could be wrong, and it's already been done. But to my knowledge, it's it's never been put to a, I don't think so, a no. Wild West Hero, and that's a damn shame because it's a great song. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, uh, this this is probably a couple of years ago now, but at one time I was thinking about bringing back uh, my uh, uh, Jonah Hex show, and I was trying to figure out a way that I could use Wild West Hero to like close out the show or something. Oh, that would be awesome! Just one of those things I entertained for like five minutes, just because I love that that song so much. But yeah. Well, you have fun editing this because we jumped all over the friggin' map. Uh, oh no, it's this one's but... gonna be great because we got the album. But I know I'm gonna be able. I, shit, I'm gonna be able to throw some Pink Floyd in there <laughs> towards the end. <laughs> this was a little longer than the normal show, but I don't care because I'm I'm getting to talk to you. So, and I don't think anybody's gonna be complaining about like, ah, oh, Jesus Christ, these two get together, they never shut up. This is very true. <laughs> we don't. But no, I, I really appreciate you uh, you having me on to talk about this because I, I love the hell out of this album. And, you know, hopefully there's a chance that, you know, there might be somebody listening that's, you know, either either not heard it in a long time or maybe never heard it. And now they'll, they'll want to check it out. But I, I just think it's a great album. I really do. I've always had a, had a real soft spot for this one. Well, now it's not just your wife that knows that <laughs> deep, deep inside of Scott Gardner beats the heart of rock and roll. There you go. Deep inside of him is Huey Lewis with the heart of rock and roll still beaten. (laughs) No, 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 no. It's rock and roll is king. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O. T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com 
Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Have you been, Lord, a friend of my son? Oh, make my bed soon, for I'm weary from hunting. <laughs>